I'm starting off 2011 with a message that Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Annette are in Tennessee. They're there in a meeting um, dealing with our church plant in, um, in, uh, in Dallas. And they were called up by the church in our church, our headquarters church in, in Tennessee. So they're, they're spending some time there and they're doing strategic planning about what to do in 2011. Pastor Jimmy called me last Thursday, say, champ, can you preach? And I just finished, got, I just got back from my walk. And uh, I said, sure. And God dropped this right on me when I was walking about 2011 and pressing the word, those words pressing on. Because, you know, it's a new year, new things. And we all have our New Year's resolution. We're going to lose weight. We're going to eat better. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then February, March comes around. I'll try it again next year. And then you get disappointed, you feel condemned because you just try to do a flash thing versus become a lifestyle. And the Bible doesn't call us to be flash. It calls us to be steady. I love what Sammy Davis says. I asked Sammy, how are you doing? He says, steady. I'm steady. And this word pressing on, this is a scripture from Paul. And I'm telling you what, Apostle Paul was an amazing guy. If you look at Philippians chapter 3, he gives his biography, talks about his past, this scripture, we're going to talk about the present, and then he ends the book on the future. And he talked about his past, what he was so proud of, and then what he wasn't so proud of. And the reason why I put together press, pressing on is because we all try to go into the new year with old stuff. We want to go ahead and start a new leaf, but we bring the old baggage with us. And if it builds up over the years, you can't celebrate the new year because you got old stuff. And God wants to give us something new, but we can't receive new because we're holding on to the old. Some things we're proud of and a lot of things we're not proud of. And we bring guilt into the new year. When we say, celebrate the new year, God's awesome. You're like, I can't move. Because you can't grab hold of the new until you get let go of the old. And we're going to study this scripture, and I'm going to unpack it on what he's talking about. Because it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life and stop dealing with the same struggles that we've been dealing with and be focused on spreading the gospel around the world. Not caught up trying to fix ourselves all the time. Because if you haven't noticed, there's always going to be something going on, isn't it? You think you got from one place, ha, ah, there's no vacation, something else blows up. And God calls us as a people to press through the trouble and go. Now let's look at Philippians 3, verses 12 to 16. Why don't we stand when we read the word of God. I hope you have your Bibles. Open your Bibles up. Don't rely on the screen all the time. Your New Year's resolution should be, I'm going to have a Bible this year. And for guys, if your wives are carrying your Bibles and you don't have one, you're out of order. Love you guys. You want to be the man of God? Get a Bible and lead. Amen? Amen. You can tell I, I deal with men all the time. Starting in verse 12, 
This is Paul talking. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Well, that's a good one there. (laughs) I am his. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting that what lies behind and straining toward to what lies ahead, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if there's anything you think otherwise, I love God. God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let us pray. Father God, we ask right now in our study, Holy Spirit, that you bring revelation today. Not just information, God. You bring deliverance today, not just a feeling, God. We ask for your Holy Spirit to teach us and show us freedom through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. you got to recognize, you may be seated, that each of us has a race to run and a unique goal to achieve in the kingdom of God. This is Paul speaking in the metaphor for a sense of at the athlete running, that we have a race to run. We have a lane to run in, as you see the picture. And you see me leading. You didn't know that was me, didn't you? That was me years ago. About two years ago. (laughs) Running. Beating everybody out. That's right, I still got it. Find out, ask the brothers about me in basketball. I can still play. I heard a lot of awe, but you lost. Sorry. Anyway. (laughs) But each of us have a race to run, a unique goal to achieve for the kingdom of God. And he's saying that we need to stay, find our lane and run with that in a pace to achieve the goal, to receive the prize, the upward call, and receive this prize in the heavenly realms. And he's saying for us, run your race. Interesting. He didn't say, pray about it. He said, run. You don't have to have a Bible study to figure out what did Paul mean or what did God mean. It means run. Grab hold of that. I love the other thing that's encouraging us. Christ has apprehended each and every one of us. We're his. And now we're trying to gather... Grab what he has for us. Each and every one of us have a goal. Each and every one of us has a prize that Christ had prepared before the earth, before the world began, for us to achieve something. Not just to be here Christians and be, well, I'm just here waiting for Jesus, dying on the cross, waiting. I'm just dying to myself. He says, I want you to stop dying. I want you to start running. Because there's something for you to receive. An inheritance for you, your children, and to the world to make a difference. It says 2011 is a year of us waking up, getting up, and moving forward. Not with picket signs, but with the love of God to change the city and change the nation and change the world. That's what God asks for each and every one of us. Uniquely. That's why we don't have the same fingerprint. 
When you look at that, I'm going to unpack this. There's some things, some essentials for running your race. There's five of them. I'm going to tell you to them, and I'll go ahead and unpack them for you. The first one, we must have a dissatisfaction. We must have a devotion. We must have a direction. We must have determination. We must have discipline. And I'm going to unpack this because when you go down the scripture, you get to see all these, what Paul was talking about. Not someone in a flash pan or a one-hit wonder. He's talking about someone with a lifestyle of winning. Because we're called to win. We already win. Jesus paid the price. He died on the cross. He was risen again. He's saying, take the land and possess that which was taken away. So it's already a fixed fight, but he just wants you to run. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting out of a position of victory. And when you run, life becomes exciting. When you run, this thing called Christianity is amazing. When you run, you help others who don't know Jesus. That's the whole goal. Someone said, what is my, Pastor Rich, what is my calling in life? I'll tell you this one in 2011 and beyond. It never changes. To be a disciple of Christ and make disciples. That doesn't change. And to be one. So the last Jesus' last words, I want you guys to be one. And I want you to bring other people with you. Let's look at the first one, dissatisfaction. It says this, not that I have already obtained. And I love this bullet here. A, a divine dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual growth. A divine dissatisfaction is, dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual growth. He's saying this, I don't want you to rest on your spiritual laurels. There shouldn't be something in us that I know I'm at this place, but I want to go to another place. I want to grow closer to Christ and be more like him. I don't want to stay the same all my life. And I don't, you know, we're great at this. We say, I'm okay because I go ahead and judge myself off other people or compare myself. Well, at least I'm not like them, so I must be growing. You know what I do? I compare myself with Jesus. Then I find out, oh, I am so far behind. Because sometimes I want to be like Jesus, but I'm more like a jerk. Come on, somebody. We're, oh, y'all ain't like jerks sometimes? <laughs> if you're husband, I know your wives call you that sometime under their breath. I want to be like Christ. I thought I had it all together. And bam, something happens. Rich the jerk. Not rich Jesus. So I compare myself with Christ to grow and do, not to bounce around, to study him. And he, the word of God convicts me, and I repent, and I move forward. It's got to be a divine satisfaction. Just because I'm 50 years old, I should not act like I'm 12 years old in the word. Because there's a lot of 50-year-olds acting like 10-year-olds because they have not matured in their walk with Christ. It's more than just coming and singing four songs, hearing a sermon, and going home and having a meal. 
It's about engaging Christ and being more like him and saying, I am not I'm satisfied in Jesus. I'm satisfied where I am, but I'm not sad. I want to move forward. I'm unsatisfied because I want to grow and I want to grow and be more like him. The second one, devotion. I love this book. No athlete succeeds by doing anything, everything. He succeeds by specializing. Says this, the one thing I do. It's amazing (laughs) watching us believers sometimes. Because we're caught up in so many things. And a lot of them are good things. But the problem is when your good thing becomes a God thing, it's a bad thing. When your good thing becomes a God thing, replaces God, it becomes a bad thing. So I want, you know, especially if we have children, I want to take them here. I want to do this. I want to do that. And you you just give up your walk with Christ and you spend all your time with that or with them. And you're thinking you're being with them, but you're taking them to one place to another. Oh, I love to play golf. Can't play a lick. But I need my Sunday. Good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But it comes a God thing because it replaces God, which makes it a, a bad thing. Because when it comes time to me reading the word and playing golf, guess what I'm going to be doing? Reading the word. And we get caught up in so many things. We need to find out what you're good at and do that. I know what I'm good at. I work in my strengths and I get and delegate my weaknesses. Now, as being a pastor, a lot of you have strengths, but you try to give them to me to do them. I can't do them. Only you can do them. You're unique. And I tell people, you're the CEO of that. Hey, we're going to have this ministry. CEO of that. If it runs under the three Ds, you can do it. If it's about devotion, if it's about diversity, it's about discipleship. Run with it, champ. But don't try to take your strength and put it on me. Because you need to do it. Amen? Focus. It talks about being focused. One thing I like, one person I know when I was reading about this who was really focused, and I'm going to make her laugh. I'm going to embarrass her. I love her so much. She's my wife. You didn't know my wife, she uh, graduated. She didn't graduate. She retired out of the Air Force after 20 years. She's a logistician. Logistician. And she, right now, she's in charge of all the B1s, getting them from one place to another. And us being in the military together was kind of awkward sometimes. Because you're talking about someone who is focused on their job at certain times of the day. And I remember an exercise one time, and I was an inspector of her area. Right. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, the, the, the colonel came out the office and said, sir, he said, Richard, we got some problems in there. You need to get in there. I'm like, who, me? No, I'm not going in there. <laughs> why are you coming out? I see why he ran out. So I go in there, and I was like, hey, honey. She said, what can I do for you, Sergeant Brown? <laughs> Whew, focus. When I call her sometime on the phone, some of y'all say, pa- uh, Pastor Donald, call me back. When she's in the middle of something, she'll call me, hey, got that on it, VR, doc, Bye. <laughs> Her, her nick was your call signs, Doc. 
I get those same phone calls. I get those same emails. Check, check, check. See you at home. Yes, sir. Got it. <laughs> I'm focused. Got B1s I got to get back. I got to do all this stuff. I got, four, I got all these people I got to move. I will see you. I will be the wife at home. But I'm focused right now. And you know, that's what God calls us to do for his kingdom. Be focused. Not to be distracted on anything and anybody. I love Nehemiah when he was building the wall and the enemy tried to come down and chase him down. They wanted to call him off the wall. He says, oh, I'm doing a great work. I don't have time to come down. That's what she reminds me of. She says, I'm doing a great work. I don't have time to come down to be distracted. How many distractions come in every type of form? But you got to understand, some, good, some are good, but they're not called for you to deal with them. They're for other people sometimes. Family can be a distraction. A lot of things can be distractions. But we got to be so focused and be like Nehemiah. I got such a great work of advancing this kingdom. I don't have time to come off this wall. That's what they teach us in military and in, 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 uh, wartime. There's a lot of things in the bushes, but I'm not called to go to the bush. I'm tired to go straight ahead. It's a lot of good things, but it's not a God thing. I don't want to be distracted. That's what he's talking about. Keeping your eyes on the goal. Don't let nothing distract you. Being pinpoint and focus on advancing the kingdom of God in your workplace. Some of you think you're going to work for a check. You're actually going to, God put you there to help other people know who Jesus is. He said, I hate my job. Well, get people born again. Your job will change. It's not about getting paid. It's about where God strategically places you. It's amazing. Amen? Next one. Direction. I love this one. Forgetting what lies behind and straightening forward to what lies ahead. I love this one. Past events do not change, only our understanding of them change. We have to learn to see, learn to see the past from God's point of view. The, change, the events of the past won't change. You can't bring them with you. A lot of us do. We're tied to it. The only thing that can change is your perception of them and how God will help you understand them, which as a young man and as an older man, I'm understanding that more and more. The older I get, the more I have less control of my life, that God is ordaining a lot of things that I never recognized. I walked around as a foster child. I never knew my dad. Never knew him. His name was Sidney. He was born in jail. I, I mean, he was in jail. I was born in jail. The only time I saw him, I saw anything of his handwriting was I was 13 years old. He signed me over to the state. And I walked around with abandonment issues. I walked around hurt saying, my only question was, how come he didn't want me? How come he didn't care about me? One thing I came to recognize, God just gave me a revelation on that. To say, thank you, Sydney, for giving me up. If Sydney wouldn't have gave me up, I wouldn't be standing here today. I wouldn't have met my wife, a wonderful woman. I wouldn't have my son, an outstanding man. I wouldn't even know who you guys are. If Sydney didn't do what he did, I wouldn't be standing here today. Changing the world. So I replaced the anger with a purpose to thank you, Sydney, 
The Lord bless you. Thank you for being unselfish and giving me a chance. Some of you are walking around like that now. You're trying to figure out why someone did something to you years ago. And you're saying, how come you just can't get them back, God? God is repositioning you for something better. See, the world goes through transactions, transitions. As the kingdom of God, we go through reposition. God repositioned us sometimes without consent and a lot of times without our consent because we don't know what's good for ourselves. And he repositions us for to receive the blessing or what he wants to do for me. I was repositioned to do what I'm doing right now. I was repositioned to uh, walk with a family of God. I was repositioned to have a new family when I don't have a biological family. So I can preach on that, how strong spiritual family is. Because it's really in my heart. Because it's all I got, except my family here. Really. Had to learn that. Had to be repositioned for that. You hear me? Don't let your past trip up your, pre- your present or your future. God knows exactly what he's doing because, like I told you earlier, you're here and you're still breathing. Amen? So it didn't change the events of my past. It just changed my understanding of the past, which I can go ahead and gel in the future. So when someone else walks in here and they are a foster or they've been abandoned, I can speak life to them because God has a great sense of humor. He'll send people your way who had the same issues you did. And we have to be prepared to share that. That's why I went through that. Think about Joseph. I have a dream in the pit. Potiphar's house. Prison. Genesis 50-20. You don't have to go there. His brothers, get them in. They thought Joseph's dad died. They thought, oh, Joseph is about to hurt us because dad's gone. And Joseph told them this. He said, you know, what you meant for me as evil, God meant for me as good. Because if I didn't get put in a pit, in prison, or in Pilate's house, you guys wouldn't be standing here because he was the one that cured a nation that was in desperate conditions. They would have a famine in the land. He was the one who had the, who had the plan to feed everyone in that time in the world. He became second in charge of, in Egypt. Now, if he didn't go through all that, he wouldn't have got there, and we wouldn't be here now. Because they would have preserved the children of Israel. Hello. See how God orchestrates some things? Things might happen to you bad. Not that I say he, he, he creates evil, but something might happen to you. But you got to recognize one thing. God got your back and God's orchestrating something. That makes Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for his good. Not just good things, all things. That's got to give you some hope. That's got to give you some joy. That you're covered. You're his. Come on, somebody. Forgetting what lies ahead, behind, straining. Like that young man, if he was a little short, he had to go like this. He strained to the very end. Next one is, you got to be determined, determination. 
It says, I press. This is an intense pursuit. Now, this is interesting about pressing, engaging. It says this, you don't become a winner by, we don't become winners by listening, watching, or cheering on the sidelines, but by getting in the race. I love ESPN on Mondays. All the armchair quarterbacks haven't played in years, but they know all the answers. They haven't grown a lick because they're just watching other people do it. God does not design for us to come and sit and cheer and watch and read books and not get in the race. He calls us the joint family who are running. So when you run with others, you discover your true purpose. Out here on our own, we're no good. We lose out on so much that he has for us that someone else is going to help you get there. You have to press. When it gets hard, people quit too easily today. They've been in trouble with their marriage for 10 years. It don't work out in 10 days. They're ready to call a divorce. It took you that long to get messed up. It's going to take you that long to get fixed up. Give God some time. We tithe maybe two, two months, and we expect a whole year's worth of blessing. We don't get it. We quit. We don't press. We don't press in the family. We jump around from church to church sometimes. I got this in my family. I got that. I got this. I have all this. And you're not doing anything. You're missing your purpose. Not that you need to be here, but you need to find out what God has for you. Come on, somebody. When you find your people, you find your purpose. I press. Last one is discipline, which is a core word for discipleship. You have dissatisfaction, devotion, direction, determination to press in. The last one is discipline. Hold true to what we have returned, attained. What God is saying, he's saying here, Paul's saying in this, this moment is, we all gain ground as we grow. God give us a revelation, we stand upon that. He's saying, hold on to the truth that what you receive and keep advancing. Don't let go of the truth that you received and think it's going to be good next year. It isn't. Hold on to what you have. How do you do that? How do I play according to the rules? According to what every athlete has a code book, a rule book on how to do something. Our book, our rule book is our Bible. So you won't go out of bounds. So you won't fall down. So you'll stay on the line. We have to follow the word of God in everything that we do in our life because everything's in it. You want to know how to raise a child? It's in the Bible. You want to know how to love your wife? It's in the Bible. When people come to me with counseling, discipleship, I give them the Bible. And your own answer is right there. If you read it or you foul out, you get out of bounds. Without the word, I'm out of bounds because that same thing happens to me every day. It's my only thing that changes my reaction to it. My life in the word and my life outside the word. My life in the word is, oh, he acts like Jesus. Uh, my wife outside the word, he acts like a jerk. According to the rules. A runner goes according to the rules. You don't go in the other lane. You don't look back because you might slam into something. 
That's what God calls us to do. But we have to let go of the past. Whatever you're proud of, whatever you're not so proud of, so you can embrace the new. What breaks my heart is we know all the answers to the world's problems. The gospel is the only thing that can tell us what's wrong without us and society. We hold that. One, Jesus, if you're born again, Jesus lives in your heart. We have all that. But we walk around like we have no answers and we're frantic. We're rich beyond measure, but we act like we're poor underneath. Because we don't press. We're not determined to help other people. We don't press into one thing. We jump around. We don't commit to God and we don't commit to people. And that's the only plan. Guys, I wish there was another plan. There is no other plan. He says, love God and you love people. There's no such thing as the long ranger. Even Paul had a Barnabas with him and a Timothy and all those guys. There's no such thing as being alone. But when you're alone, you're hurting. When you're alone, you're sick. When you're alone, you're burdened down. And then when we come to church to be pacified, and then when we feel better, versus being perfected. The best I can give you on a Sunday morning is a pacifier. You get your meat in your house, reading the Bible, praying and getting with God. I wish I, I can't even make you do that. I can't make you press. I can't make you get into a life group. I can't make you get into a foundation track. You're going to have to say, I'm so dissatisfied where I'm at, and I want to go higher in God, and I want to know who I am and whose I am. I'm going to do this. That's the calling you have to have. It has to be a calling, not, a perf- not something that you do. It's a calling on our lives. We're all called to run a race. We're all called to do great things for God. Each and every one of you, you're not called to suffer. You're called to do great things. It's all over each and every one of you. You just got to discover it. How do you discover it? You get in there. It's right there, deep inside. How's it come out? You mine it out. You get with some people that can help you mine it out. You get with a family who loves you and cares about you. But you got to recognize the enemy is more scared of you than, he is, uh, than you are of them. It's a story in the Bible. Because a lot of us are right here. I sense this. In Exodus 14, the children of Israel were in bondage for over 430 years. Team, why don't you guys come up ready to play? And they, Moses was their deliverer. And he had some trouble trying to get him out. And God sent 10 plagues. <laughs> 10 plagues. And they were able to go out. Egyptians gave them everything. They walked out. Close to a million people walking out. And God said, just took them away to the water, to the, to the Red Sea. And it said this, that his presence, well, and in that time was a pillar of fire. And in the day it was a pillar of smoke. That his presence never left them. You know, as believers, guys, presence of God never leaves us. Though we might try to leave him, it never leaves us. 
And they go out. And it's right there waiting for their promised land to cross over in the new. We use this in the baptism story. And they were great as long as they kept their eyes on the presence of God. But then again, their past tried to catch up with them, the Egyptians. And they came down to chase those guys down. And they took their eyes off and, oh, we're going to die. Like a lot of us, my past, everything I'm dealing with that keeps catching up to me, catch up to me. I can't get rid of my past. Let me tell you what God did. In the midst of them crossing through, he parted the seas. In the midst of them, he took his presence. He put them in between the past, and they were in the presence, walking into their future. It said they couldn't. There was a pillar of, of, uh, of um, smoke and night. They couldn't. Your past can't touch you. It couldn't touch them. It couldn't catch up to them. So they go over through the land with the enemy trying to get there. God disrupted the enemy. The wheels kept falling off the chariots. This was the greatest army in the world of those days, the largest army in the world. With a bunch of defenseless people who had a savior. Cross over. And I can hear him now. Man, we're getting out of here. Moses, what you going to do about that? Then we asked Moses, what are we going to do to part the sea? God said, what are you crying out to me for? Go. They go. They get to the other side. Ooh. What are you going to do now, God? Cherish your past. Allow you. It's chasing you down. Trying to find you, your life, the way you grew up. It's holding you back right now. It goes into that water because it's separated. And God let go of the water. Put that scripture up there. There it is. The water returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that he followed them into the sea. Last five words are powerful. Not one of them remained. Not one of them remained. Not one of them remained. See, your past, your history, it doesn't remain. When you gave your life to Christ, all things have become new that has passed away. So you go on to your future. You go on to what God has for you. I can hear him now. The old Israel song. It's a new season. It's a new day. Fresh anointing is coming my way. Because your past is gone. You got to recognize in 2000, it's gone. You press because there's nothing there to hold you back. He washed it away. Now, if you don't know who Jesus is, you need to find out who he is at the end of the service. There'll be people up here. So you can wash your past away. He can't touch you. That's why I can press because it doesn't exist anymore. But you need to press because it doesn't exist anymore. Everything you've been asking for, everything you've been praying for, God has heard your prayers. It's going to come to pass in 2011. You've been figuring out, how come it ain't coming now, God? You know why? Because I got to set some things up. I got to reposition you for the right time to bring out the right time. Thank you, Lord. To bring it when you need it. When it's on time only. Not too early. Never too late. Always on time.
because he's able and he's willing. And I want you to go into 2011. No regrets washed away. Condemnation washed away. Disconnection washed away. Broken family washed away. He's in the restoring everything that's been broken. If you glow and you press into him, because he's the reason for all things. The center of our lives, God is restoring. He is restoring his sovereignty in the world. We watch the world shake, but the kingdom never shook. And everyone says the church is the only place with the answer. What a time to be alive. Oprah don't work. Phil don't work. Muslims don't work. Mormons don't work. Jesus works. And that's what he's saying, church. It's a season to press in. Don't be satisfied where you are. Be devoted to him. Find your direction and don't look back. Because he'll take care of you. He'll take care of all that behind your back. When they were walking forward, the presence of God was taking them forward and the presence of God was backing them up. You be determined. You be determined. You don't quit. We're not quitters. We're winners. And you be disciplined and you get in the word of God. And you get with prayer. You get with some people. You join a life group. You become part of this church. We'll, te- we'll get with your life. We get in one another and cheer one another on. You get with some people who encourage you. Can't make you do it. But I know the answer. His name is Jesus. Every head bow. Every eye closed. I'm going to pray a blessing over you when this is over. Some of you guys need to reorient your life. Reprioritize your life. Drop the past off your life. What better way to do that is to worship in communion. His body was broken for us. His blood, a new covenant, a new covenant a new blessing, a new day. We should all celebrate that today during worship. I don't know where, I know where a lot of you are, but I don't know particular, but I know one thing. You need to come up here and worship God and take your communion and recognize that he paid the price for us. He went the distance. He was determined for us to be free. He paid the price for us to run like we've never run before. And Father God, I come to you right now. I thank you, Lord, for this time. In the name of Jesus, we ask right now, Lord God, you break. Break the power of the past, God, that we will walk by faith, Lord. Break the power of condemnation, Lord. Break the power of regret, God. And we ask right now for a new day to rise up in people's hearts, God. A new attitude, God. A new fervor for your word. A new fervor for your, your presence, God. 
And we ask right now in the name of Jesus, touch everyone here. Encourage them to know how special they are, how much you love them, how much you took it down for them, how much you did so much for them so they may become free. And those who are free are free indeed. And we declare freedom this morning, God. Freedom to run. Freedom to experience. No more regret. No more condemnation. No more sickness, God. We ask, God, for your spirit to touch us the rest of this service. Touch every heart today as we take communion, God. Let us not be scared, God. Let us take that walk. Let us take that step. Let us run to you this, the rest of this service. And we give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.